Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Fair Data Podcast, where we discuss all things fair, making data findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable. I'm Rory McNeil, host of the Fair Data Podcast, and my guest today is Daniel Bangert. Daniel is Ireland's National Open Research Coordinator, based at the Digital Repository of Ireland, Royal Irish Academy. Daniel, welcome. It's great to have you on the podcast. Delighted to join you, Rory. Many thanks for the invitation and look forward to our conversation. Great. So let's jump in at the deep end because uh, you've got some exciting news. Last month, I-, I know you launched Ireland's National Action Plan for Open Research that you've been working on for a while. That's clearly a major milestone and an exciting development. So tell us first about the impetus to developing the plan. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Rory. It's certainly a major milestone. But I should say also upfront that it's part of an ongoing process. We're in a transition towards a national research environment, and we're aiming to be fully aligned with and supportive of open research principles and practices. And the National Action Plan is a major step along this journey and aims to map out how we actually reach that goal. So the impetus for the plan stemmed from work that had been conducted over a number of years and mainly via Ireland's National Open Research Forum, or NORF. So if I refer to NORF, that's what it is. And that was a body established in 2017 to help drive the Irish agenda for open research. It's been in place um, across a number of phases. So in its first iteration, it developed a national framework on the transition to an open research environment. This was launched by the government in 2019 and sets out national objectives in this broad area. So we're talking about open access to research publications, enabling fair data, the infrastructures for access to and preservation of research, the skills and training that are needed, and incentives and rewards for open research. So quite a broad and holistic agenda and following the the European Commission recommendations and and other international uh, bodies. So following on from that work, The aim was then to develop a national action plan that would outline what nationally coordinated actions could be taken to help realize those ambitions. So I think there's there's a widespread recognition that open research requires collaborative thinking and collective effort. And so this piece, this national coordination, uh, this action plan is part of that. And by putting forward these actions, we're aiming to overcome fragmentation trying to avoid the duplication that can happen across the research system and prioritize investment in areas that benefit the research community as a whole. Um, so to have a broad impact uh, as possible. All right. Oh, that's really, uh, really interesting. Um, so it was, a, it was a very, it was a structured and, and, um, and well thought out and well thought out process. I might come back to some of the things you said, but but first, maybe you could you could just follow up and say, you know, what are what are the main components of the plan? Well, there's a lot to cover there, so I might just go through it in in, in brief, but happy to to discuss any aspects of it. Um, but it it goes from 2022 out to 2030, uh, and that timeline aligns with our national research and innovation strategy, which was published earlier this year, in which open research is a, a cross cutting policy priority. Um, It takes a lead and builds on a few key national policies and international recommendations. So there were national principles on open access um, published in 2012. 
There was the European Commission recommendation on access to and preservation of scientific information 2018. There was the National Framework from 2019, which I've mentioned, and the UNESCO recommendation on open science from last year, 2021. So those are a few few of the key, I guess, um, guidance documents and and uh, uh, recommendations that that we are seeking to align with. And then we have three broad, broad themes under which there's a vision, goals, and, and actions uh, articulated. So these three themes are establishing a culture of open research, achieving 100% open access to research publications, and enabling fair research data and other outputs. Um, so there are many actions and, and sub-actions under those. I could go through maybe a few of them just to give you a, a flavour. But under that uh, theme of culture, we talk about, I guess, there's, there's two aspects. Uh, there's training and upskilling, and there's how we assess or value uh, open research in the system. So we need to upskill researchers and the relevant professional support staff. We need to strengthen system-wide recognition and reward of open research practices and align research assessment with the principles of open research. Um, under open access, we talk about strengthening our network of open access repositories, supporting rights retention for Irish uh, researchers, investing in persistent identifier infrastructure, and al aligning our policies for open access. And a few other things besides that, but I'll, I'll keep moving on. Under enabling FAIR, uh, we talk about developing and professionalizing research data stewardship at the national level supporting national services for storing, managing, sharing, and preserving data, aligning policies, again, in this case for RDM, and strengthening connections to international infrastructures that support open research and research data. And this includes, of course, the European Open Science Cloud. So hopefully that gives you a sense of what we're trying to do. And we've also funded a, a set of priority actions and that's significant because it's Ireland's first national open research fund that's supported by the Department for Further and Higher Education, Research, Innovation and Science. And this year, when we kicked off the plan, uh, we also kicked off these projects, which will run over the next two years, which are to implement priority actions that have been identified by North. Wow. So that's really uh, very, it really is very comprehensive, all the all the various things you touched on in terms of, of of culture, data stewardship, infrastructure, open publishing, all of those things are are the things that are being discussed everywhere. Um, but you've actually put it together in a, a very uh, sounds like a very comprehensive way. That's really really interesting. And you mentioned you mentioned EOSC, um, of course, which is obviously relevant. Um, so, and as I say, when, as I was listening to you describe uh, the main components of the plan I was I couldn't help but think about other what other other countries are doing and um, which of course resonates strongly with what you're doing but in you you and I have been involved in some discussions about models for an open research commons where people from among others Japan Canada Australia and various other European countries as well as Jayant have talked about their activities, plans, and visions for an open research commons in their jurisdictions, which an open research commons is not, of course, not only what you're talking about, but it's, it's definitely closely related to it. So when you look at the situation in Ireland and your plans, how would you compare 
and contrast them with what others are doing. And I know you are very aware of what's happening internationally. Are there any examples or models you find particularly attractive? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot we can learn from what's happening elsewhere. And I, I guess at that regional level, our context is the European Open Science Cloud and our contributions and, and this two-way relationship between it. Um, but as part of what North has been doing last year, we uh, a lot of our work was focused around producing a national open research landscape report and a series of policy briefs. So this really took the objectives of the framework and looked at where exactly are we, what's being progressed, what are the challenges, and where can we learn from best practice examples, either you know what's been happening nationally that should have further support or international examples that could be adapted and, and used in, in the Irish context. So uh, this is going to be very selective, but the, the things that come to mind are, of course, the, the Netherlands has a long-standing focus on open science and has been very active in, in the fair data movement, particularly you know, supporting and, and recognizing data stewards as, as a key role and putting that in, into their institutional structures. And their national program on, on recognition and rewards, I also find very inspiring, which is broader than open science, but also seeks to stim stimulate open science. And I think that's that's a good way that, that a system has, has come together under an agreed, I guess, transition. Um, others that come to mind, I, I think the, the French and Finnish are particularly active on, on scholarly communication and, and supporting bibliodiversity. So encouraging an equitable and diverse vision of open access through, for example, shared publishing infrastructure and supporting diamond open access in which there are no fees for either the, the author or the reader. Um, and of course, the, the German NFDI program with its disciplinary and, and thematic structures and a whole range of national consortia is, is also, of course, very, very impressive. Um, in this area, I'd also like to mention that there's a network of, of national open science coordinators or people in similar roles to myself, the Council for National Open Science Coordination or CONOSC. And that's another way in which experiences are being shared, particularly in the policy area, uh, to advance the, a vision of, of open science across borders. And there's a lot going on beyond the countries I've mentioned. Uh, this year, there have been open science plans or strategies published by Slovenia, by Italy, Ukraine, Romania, just to mention a few. And of course, many others are, are well into their implementation phase. So I think we're seeing a coming together and you know, activity both at regional and national level um, on this agenda. And it's really a matter now of work, working together, seeing what works, what needs to be changed, adapted. And this is, of course, a, a rapidly evolving area. Mm. So in our national action plan, we're looking to update and revise this uh, at regular intervals, articulate more granular actions in for the years to years to come so that we're responding to and being proactive uh, as to what our priorities will be at, at national level. Yeah, interesting. So just to pick up on a couple of points you mentioned there. So um, as you say, the, you, you led off with the Netherlands, which is which is what what I what most people would lead off with, I think, in, including me. 
and there's so much happening there. You mentioned data stewards. Of course, there's the interesting paper by uh, Marta Teprick and Danny Kingsley, and I think someone else calling for data stewards to be, for the, for their academic contributions to be recognized. That's another uh, as example of innovation. Something else, of course, is the in terms of uh, um, evaluation of researchers is Utrecht's uh, manifesto uh, last year. Um, and then another thing which I think, so so you can just pick lots of examples. from Another one which is interesting, and let me then use that to ask you another question, is SURF in terms of, of uh, provision of, of infrastructure and services uh, to, to universities. And I think of SURF as a model for that as well. That's an area I'm particularly interested in. So, um, uh, and and then that that brings in the point of the we're talking you're talking about we've been talking about national strategies here, but of course these these activities take place in the context of institutions, of actual institutions, and they're also involved as 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 the examples we just gave of 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 Utrecht or TU Delft or uh, or in other countries as well of doing all these things with their policies and their infrastructure as well. So what's the what's the relationship between uh, what you're doing at the national level in Ireland and the actual universities? How, how are they involved in this process? Yeah, I, I guess a few things to, to pick up on there. Um, the article you mentioned, yes, that's uh, completely correct and, and very supportive of that point of view. I, I believe the third author is uh, Maria Cruz at, at the oh, NWA. Oh, that's right, Maria Cruz, right, yep. Yeah. Um, and that idea of a data stewardship network is is one of the activities we've funded in this first set of priority actions. So to develop a, a national uh, data stewardship network, we've seen these roles emerging in Ireland in response to policy changes and, and so on, but bringing those peers together, working out how they can actually uh, collaborate, learn from each other, and try to professionalize that role in the long term. So that's something we're, we're seeking to do. Um, in terms of who's involved, so North, the, the forum, um, it's, it's a broad stakeholder group. It's involved over 90 uh, stakeholder representatives directly and many more via public and, and targeted consultations. And, of course, many of those members in its working groups and coordination groups come from our university sector, uh, but also other research-performing organizations, our funders, uh, departments and agencies, and, and so on. So when we launched the plan, we had a broad range of endorsing organizations that had, had signed on to the principles and, and its actions, uh, over 50 national and some international stakeholders. That includes all of our universities and, and so on. So I think there's alignment there at the strategic level. But of course, what we're doing as a, as a national action is just one layer so it also needs to happen at the institution um, but what we're trying to ensure is that we're working towards the same goals and where we can collaborate where it makes sense um, that we are doing so so i would expect um, policies local action plans and those discussions to be happening at all levels for example one of our uh, research centres funded by the SFI, Science Foundation Ireland, put forward an open science charter itself, so broadly supporting the, the same sorts of actions and principles. 
and that can happen at all levels. Okay, fantastic. So let's let's kind of uh, take a step back from we've been talking a lot about about what you've been doing or really the, kind of the national the national plan and and those kind of things. But let's let's try to uh, dive down a bit and find out how how you got involved and how how you got interested in these things. So so how did you get op- interested in open research in the first place? Yeah, what well, hasn't been the most straightforward journey? I. Uh initially trained in in Australia as a musician and a musicologist. Uh, That's my academic background. And and of course, I came across this agenda as a researcher, but it wasn't until then I I took a a step into library and information science and started working in libraries that I got involved at the the coalface, as it were, um, with these topics. So around uh, research data management, uh, running repositories, open access, scholarly communication, and and all of this. And my interest in open research then led me to move to Germany uh, to work on European open science projects, and then into my current role in Ireland. Um, so I think some of the themes have remained the, th- the, the same, but the, maybe the scale and the context and some of the challenges uh, just have, have shifted according to context. <laughs> It's actually surprising. I don't know if it's surprising, but it's uh, it's definitely the case that a lot of the people that that are come onto this podcast have followed a somewhat similar journey. So they started out doing research in a particular field, and then they got really interested in. Oftentimes, it's in the it's in, in data as a subject, uh, and and there and then that led them into research data management and thinking about that as a topic, and then their mental curiosity kind of evolves into into that area. So it's, uh, it's quite, uh, I mean, there are people who haven't, who've kind of come directly into the field, but I'd say they're, they're actually in a minority and maybe over time that will change, I suppose, as, as things get professionalized and all that. But, um, so I, it seems to me that's great because then you get a kind of a rich people who are interested in this area all come from different research backgrounds so they can, so the, and it's quite, that's the other thing that they're, they're quite different kinds of research backgrounds. I don't think there's any one particular area of research. So, that, so that it, it enriches, it enriches the kind of RDM, uh, open research, open science, uh, uh, community. Um, so that's, uh, that's really interesting. So I noticed you were at Gertigan, I believe I do a lot of stuff with, with Gertigan. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on there of all kinds. So what were you doing at, at Gertigan? Yeah, I was working on a number of Horizon 2020 projects and primarily related to data. So supporting the Research Data Alliance in Europe and the Fairs Fair project um, and a few other things. So I guess that's the data thread uh, that came through from my work in Australia and, and continues on. Um, and then and then how did you, what what, what led you to, to, to moving to Ireland from, from Gertigan? Hmm. Well, I think, yeah, several countries have, have established these roles around coordination of the agenda, around open science, open research. I've been referring to open research um, because that's the term we mainly use in Ireland, but I'm, I mean, yeah, it's, it's synonymous with open science or open scholarship. Um, so there are similar positions in, in other countries, and I guess this was a way to then uh, apply what I've learned uh, into a national context and it's also a role, I see it as, as facilitating the conversation nationally, uh, drawing on the expertise that's available at national level across our institutions and, and so on. 
Um, and building consensus, I think, is, is the biggest thing around what we should do, what we should prioritize, um, and what we should invest in. And there are different aspects to the role, of course. There's um, a big piece around advocacy uh, and advice um, with uh, government, with funders, with institutions, and, and so on, whatever is needed to advance the, the agenda nationally. And also from this year, we've, we've had funding, which we also have set up via open calls and, and, and a process around that so we can uh, actually move forward with, with implementation. Great. So uh, you mentioned the RDA. I know you've been active in the RDA, and I, I believe, among other things, you're currently co-chair of the National PID Strategies Working Group. So PIDs seem to have <laughs> emerged as one of the most, if not the most active topic of current discussion in the in the RDM open research community. And, and each day, the crescendo of, of uh, discussion and noise and activity just kind of seems to build. So, so this is obviously an important working group. So tell us about what the working group is doing and um, and what are your plans for the upcoming plenary in, in Gothenburg next March? Yeah, IDA is an important community forum um, and a professional network for myself and, and many others. And Gothenburg will be the, uh, the 10th anniversary, which uh, will be an important meeting. So the whole idea is that we can help develop solutions that can't be solved alone um, and PIDs and national strategies is, is just one area in which that's true. So the working group was set up to try uh, and compare approaches to what could be national or regional PID strategies that have emerged in different countries, different contexts. So what we've been doing is gathering a, a sample of case studies from different areas. Uh, for example, we have Finland, the Netherlands, Canada, UK, Korea, Australia, and others in the works. So we also invite, uh, if there's others listening, who've worked on such uh, strategies in, in, in their national contexts, um, we would be very open to, to more contributions. And we want to bring those key points and learnings into a guide that will help others, uh, irrespective of their, of their region, follow a blueprint to define a, a national PID approach. So again, we think there's value in this national coordination. Uh, it's dependent again on the local context as to how much you can do that in a coordinated way. Um, so what we'll be doing for the next plenary is continuing to work on the guide. And by middle of next year is when we will be hoping to finalize and deliver that piece of work and open it up for, for comments as well. But um, if you're a member of RDA, would like to help, uh, please get involved, have a look at the work that's been done, and we would welcome your your point of view. Great. Yes, I, I second that uh, invitation to uh, everyone who's listening. Um, I, I, uh, I participate in, the, in that group's uh, discussions as well, and it's really interesting, so I recommend it too. So how about in terms of, of Ireland, specifically where where's ireland in terms of your national pit strategy and how does that fit into the the, the broader plan yes so in ireland we're aspiring to have a, a national pid roadmap and that's work i expect we will be doing in 2023 via commissioned work uh, we've had 
uh, a key body established, the Irish Orchid Consortium. So uh, that's been underway since uh, a, a couple of years now and doing very well. But of course, there's there's much more to be done, not just on orchids, but to look at what other kinds of pids are in use, what should be prioritized, uh, and what makes sense um, in terms of where we move next, what we invest in, what we seek to adopt and to encourage. Um, so more to come on that, um, but we hope to be following the good example of others there. Good. Actually, I'll just give a little a little plug for <laughs> for the podcast here because we have in January we're going to have two two speakers who are going to talk specifically about pits. Two people who are, or actually three people, but two 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 episodes devoted specifically to uh, to pits. And uh, I mean, it's it's almost a bewildering landscape. There's so much activity going on. It's it's almost impossible. To, well, I guess it's not impossible, but unless you're doing it almost as a full time task. It's very difficult, I think, to keep up with all the different developments. And I think the kind of mental landscape which most people have of PIDs is is highly oversimplified. Uh, and it's becoming much more complex and much richer all the time. Um, so, it, I mean, it seems to me that PIDs are evolving to become a really important area of, of research of research infrastructure in a way and certainly this 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 was brought home at the at the fair digital digital objects conference in in leiden where again a lot of the discussion was was around pids and there's some really interesting innovation going on so it's it's a fascinating area so yeah so any must anyway in your in your rda group is 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 uh is i think performing a a contribution to try to you know one of the things that that you're able to do is maybe try to help others gain some perspective on what's happening because there's so much happening <laughs> and and you've got to look at it if you can look at it from a particular perspective or a particular angle like national strategy that helps to focus on probably on you know what's happening in a way which is which is quite useful as opposed to this kind of just explosion of stuff happening and my god how does it all fit together yeah that's right there there are so many aspects to it and this strategic piece is really about building that case for its importance, why it needs coordination, joined up thinking and, uh, you know, resourcing as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So apart from, apart from PIDs, um, what do you think are, are some of the most important and interesting areas for development in terms of pushing forward uh, fair practices and, and fair infrastructure? Well, there's there's a lot to to cover there, but I I think broadly, you know, we we need um, uh, in in the national action plan, for example, we we talk about a, a mature ecosystem of infrastructures. So, on the infrastructure piece, it's it's a set of services which are well connected, integrated, and and talk to each other, um, both at national and international level. That's that's the vision there, in line with fair. So. Uh, repositories, preservation, all of that is is part of it. But in the projects, for example, that we've we funded, we uh, have supported a, a national data stewardship network, which I've talked about as well, as well as as a pilot service at national level for active data storage, uh, which we know is is a great need here in Ireland, and uh, we hope to build and, and scale that up. Um, 
over the next few years, as well as then building on that um, in terms of what other services are needed. Uh, so that people piece, um, data stewards, awareness, training, and all of that is, is also key. Uh, in the plan, we talk about a, a national training program for open research, and that's also getting researchers at a basic level of, of awareness and understanding. And I think there's also still a lot of awareness raising and training to be done around FAIR in general. I was struck by a, a recent, and you might might have seen that, European Research Data Landscape Report um, published recently by the Commission. And it points out that there's been an increase in awareness and, and much, of course, excellent work going on, but the share of researchers who, short, who store data in data repositories remains low. And we also need more efforts around awareness raising that uh, there's been great policy momentum, but we need to bridge that, that gap that can appear between policy and practice and, and make sure that it doesn't widen. And then maybe the last point more generally is around culture, um, what we recognize, what we reward, what we value in research, and making sure if open research is one of those things, uh, fair data sharing and all of that, are we actually incentivizing, rewarding and assessing it in, in line with those values? And that needs to be really a fundamental change across the system. And I see open research as primarily a, a culture shift uh, and all of these areas that we talk about uh, hinge on the, on that, um, you know, a redirection or a rebalancing or a broadening of what we reward, what we assess, and what we value. Okay. Well, thank you, Dan. That's a perfect uh, perfect point to end on, I think. So thanks so much for the uh, fascinating conversation. Thanks a lot, Rory. Great to speak with you. Yeah. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. The Fair Data Podcast is provided by fairdatapodcast.org and produced by Meroz Ahmed. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at Fair Data Podcast and coming soon on Mastodon. New episodes are released every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. UK, and 5 p.m. Central European time and late in Asia Pacific. See you next time. <laughs>